Welcome everyone to Better Business Books Roundtable. I'm Ray Sidney Smith of W3 Consulting. We're a web, mobile, and digital strategy firm serving, servicing uh, small businesses. And you can learn more about, more about us at www.w3cinc.com. And without that, that out the way, I'd just like to first welcome, thankfully, Jacqueline Ottman of Ottman Consulting on the call with us today. She's the, uh, the author of the book we're discussing today, The New Rules of Green Marketing. Jackie Ottman is an internationally recognized expert on green marketing and eco-innovation. She's the founder and principal of the New York City-based J. Ottman Consulting, Inc., with clients including Fortune 500 companies like 3M, Nike, and Johnson & Johnson, and several entrepreneurial companies. Her firm also has advised several U.S. government eco-labeling programs, including the U.S. EPA's Energy Star, SmartWay, and the new USDA certified bio-based label. She blogs at greenmarketing.com forward slash blog, at wehate2waste.com, a new blog she founded for consumers, and she's regularly contributes to the Huffington Post, Sustainable Brands Weekly, and other online and offline publications. She's also a New Yorker uh, natively, and she was educated at Smith College, so I'd like to thank you, Jackie Ottman, for being on the call with us today. Uh, as well, I happen to have Elix Davidson from the Green Festival is on the call, and I just wanted to give her a moment because the D.C. Green Festival is upcoming this weekend, September 29th and 30th, and I just wanted her to give us a little bit of background and just a short pitch for what the Green Festivals are and how that might help some of your businesses. So, Alix? Oh, I have to unmute you. Hold on a second there. And there we go. Alix? Hi there, this is Elise Davidson with the Washington DC Green Festival. It's so great to be here um, in such honored company as Jackie Ottman and Mr. Smith. So grateful. So the Green Festival is a project of two nonprofits, the Green Business Organization called Green America based here in Washington and the Human Rights Organization called Global Exchange. And that's one of the things that makes what you'll find this weekend a little different. You know, we have green standards and we're really grateful also for Jackie's help because we have a whole green seminar, green business seminar stage and she's presented on it a lot. So it's this weekend, it's at the Washington Convention Center. You can still buy tickets online at www.greenfestivals.org or you can buy them um, at the convention. They are $15 for the weekend with discounts for all kinds of folks. The hours are 10 a.m. to 7 on Saturday and 11 to 6. Some of the highlights include an incredible main stage with people like Ralph Nader, Amy Goodman, Benjamin Todd Jealous from the NAACP, and Jesse Jackson, and we're so honored to have these luminaries. We also have entire stages devoted to some really important, relevant topics. We have an eco-fashion showcase. We have a green pet stage. We're actually going to have green pets. Well, not pets painted green, but with green accessories. <laughs> we're going to have a good food stage, just like the Food Network, except we'll be cooking local and vegetarian and organic foods. We have that green business seminar where you can get the latest uh, for your green business, everything from marketing to financing. And we have a wonderful DIY stage where you'll learn about how to fix your bike, insulate your home, and many more topics. Don't forget, it's this weekend, September 29th and 30th. More information at www.greenfestivals.org. So, how did I do? Great. Thank you, Elise, for, for letting us know about the Green Festivals. It's actually how I met Jackie, which is why I thought it would be a really great 
honored to be able to let everybody know about the Green Festivals and the work you guys do. So uh, with that, uh, just a couple of uh, things for the live callers, just some guidelines for the discussion. One, if you have background noise or are typing loudly, <laughs> I know that happens, please mute yourself with four stars. So if at any point you come to that uh, point in the conversation, I'm going to open up once we get to open open discussion, I'm going to unmute everyone. But if I hear you sort of you know ruffling and so forth, I'll go ahead and four star you. But if you know you're going to have some background noise, go ahead and do that. Two, please keep your constructive criticism to constructive. You know, uh, most of all, we just want to show respect to everyone on the call. And finally, if you have something to say, just feel free to raise your hand by pressing five star, and I will go ahead and call out your last two digits of your phone number, or if I got your first name before the recording started, I've included that in the digital system, so I can just call you by name. The first time you do speak, please let us know who you are and what you do in just very short words, not too long, but just let us know who you are and what you do, and then ask your question or make your comment. Without let's get started, Jackie. Let's start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and to give us a little background on what led you to writing the new rules of green marketing. Sure. Thanks, Ray, and welcome, everyone. I'm, I'm really delighted to be on this call and uh, really honored to be in such great company uh, with so many good small businesses. And the green is really being invented from the ground up by small entrepreneurial businesses, and it's the larger companies like the Fortune 500, et cetera, that are really learning from those small companies about what it takes to respond to consumers' green needs uh, today. So um, you gave a really terrific introduction. Um, I, I appreciate that. I uh, founded my company uh, 23 years ago after spending uh, 12 years in major advertising agencies here in New York, and I'm basically taking those um, uh, consumer package goods skills that I learned at, at, here on, on, on uh, Madison Avenue and applying that same level of sophistication in the uh, green world. Um, and so I speak the larger company's language, language, and so that enables me to have that credibility to help them understand why it is that they need to adapt to green ways. Um, let's get into the book. The book is called The New Rules of Green Marketing. It's actually the third edition of a book that I first wrote in uh, 1993 called Green Marketing. The next edition came out five years later in 1998. And so much changed since that first and even second edition that we changed the title to reflect the fact that um, it was a whole new world, so we called it The New Rules of Green Marketing. Now, there's 20 new rules in all, but we just have a few minutes to uh, uh, summarize it. So, uh, Ray, can I just uh, spend a few minutes just summarizing what are some of the key learnings in the new book? Absolutely. I think there are a lot of folks that will be listening to the podcast who won't have ever heard of your book, so I think it's really important. Go for it. Okay. So uh, let me get to take a few minutes. Uh, so just in terms of a, a top-line summary for those of you who haven't read the book, um, in the last 20 years, green has moved from a fringe phenomenon straight into uh, Main Street America. Uh, those of us who were, uh, you know, around and, and kicking in the, um, uh, the 1970s, remember green is a very much of a crunchy uh, granola kind of a Birkenstock movement. Uh, the green products we knew about in those days, the natural laundry detergents and the early uh, versions of compact fluorescent light bulbs and things, 
you know, kind of cliche, in a cliche version, kind of gather dust, I like to say, on health food store shelves. But right now the latest data show that 83% of all American adults identify with some shade of green. So that's, uh, you know, likely to be your mom, your uncle, your son, and uh, likely yourselves if we're talking about 83% of Americans. And so am I saying everyone's deep green, everyone's buying everything green all the time? No, not at all. I'm just saying the identification is there. And there are different segments of green. So uh, rules of, you know, 2020, you have deep, about 20% of the audience is deep green uh, uh, consumers who have a pretty much of an integrated green sustainability lifestyle, health, um, environmentalism, sustainability, um, natural um, uh, health, health and medicines and things. Then there are folks who are strictly concerned about health issues, buying the natural food, uh, personal care products, the organic foods, the uh, natural pet care even. Then there are folks like myself um, which are, who are concerned about resources energy, water, paper, um, and some of that comes from a practical orientation of, of frugality, looking to save money, uh, but also saving the planet at the same time. And then there's kind of a younger group, uh, which uh, the Natural Marketing Institute, who's done a lot of research in this area, calls the drifters, a statusy kind of a conscious consumer who likes to be seen in Whole Foods carrying the bag. Okay, so all of these 83% are, are uh, creating a $290 billion market for just for consumer products in the U.S., broad range of products, food, cleaning, energy, water efficiency, anything carrying the Energy Star label, apparel like the Patagonias of the world, hybrid cars. And so, but there are barriers still to buying green products, specifically in terms of value and credibility, um, and this term called greenwash. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to see a show of hands on the on the phone of people who have heard about uh, the term greenwash. If you haven't heard about it, it's about misleading or even outright lying about the environmental integrity of your initiatives and product benefits. So the key takeaway from the book, this big theme runs throughout, is to take a life cycle approach to greening your products, greening your services. So in other words, it's not just enough to have one aspect of your product be green. For example, you could have a compact fluorescent light bulb that's rated uh, Energy Star, but it's not really a green product. And some of you might be, you know, kind of scratching your heads on that one. But the answer is, is that it's an energy efficient product, but not a green product, because chances are it contains a tinge of mercury in it. So if you didn't want to greenwash consumers, you wouldn't call it green. You would say it was simply energy efficient or more efficient than incandescent bulbs. And then from a communication standpoint, the key news now is that you want to focus your communications on the primary reasons why consumers buy green products. The deep greens, the original greens, were motivated largely by altruism, but the mainstream greens want to know how those Energy Star products save them money. They want to know about the health benefits behind organic foods. 
They're motivated by the status of driving around town in a uh, Toyota Prius in addition to the environmental benefits. So you really want to lead with those primary benefits and then uh, supplement with environmental messages. And the second thing out of three you want to do with communications is to underscore your credibility. The biggest thing you can do in that regards is to be transparent, like Patagonia has the Footprint Chronicles, where you can go on their website and see kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly about the uh, environmental benefits of many of their products. Um, you'll want to walk your talk, so you want to uh, make sure you're running a green office, running a green manufacturing plant. It helps to have a CEO who's very outspoken on the issues. You know, when you think about these smaller companies, there really is a Ben, there really is a Jerry, there is really is an Yvonne Chouinard from Patagonia. And you want to follow the FTC Green Guides. Uh, if you want to write this down, ftc.gov slash green guides. Very comprehensive guidelines that are now, by the way, under revision uh, and to be totally updated. We're expecting those out by the end of the years, the updates, but even the existing ones are very helpful. And then the last thing you want to do, and I'll close here, is from a communication standpoint, and this is a new idea that's in the book, is to promote what I call responsible consumption. And so again, from a life cycle standpoint. So if manufacturers have pretty much control over various life cycle aspects of their products like raw materials, manufacturing, packaging, distribution, and so on. Consumers are really in the driver's seat when it comes to how a product is used, if it's going to be recycled, or uh, how, it, how safely it gets into a uh, landfill. So for example, it's one thing to buy Tom's of Maine natural toothpaste and another to turn the water off when you brush. Coke can make the cans recyclable, but only consumers can get them into the recycling bin. Sun Chips can make those bags compostable, but again, only consumers can make sure they get into the compost uh, bin. So you want to promote what I call responsible consumption of products by encouraging consumers to use and dispose of your products responsibly. Um, if you will, we'll recap this at the end of the call, but if you want more information about the book, you can simply go to our website, greenmarketing.com. You can download a sample chapter. So that's the summary. I'll turn it back now to Ray and, um, uh, and, and, and be happy to, to engage in this, in this wonderful conversation with you for the rest of the hour. Wonderful. Thank you, Jackie, for just giving us that quick synopsis on the book. And I have to say, you know, having read the book uh, now twice uh, in in just a, the short couple of months, I mean, there are just so many really great ideas within the 20 rules. And I think that you know some of the accolades that are mentioned in the uh, in the in sort of the beginning of the book are, are really do don't do a testament to really what this means for businesses as we come toward a new generation of value-based values based marketing in general. Uh, but I wanted to just throw this out for everyone. First, again, if you need to uh, raise your hand, if I happen to have muted your call, I've unmuted everyone. So now it's open discussion. And so Five Star will allow you to be able to let me know you have something to say. Uh, and again, the first time you speak, just make, me, make sure you let us know who you are and what you do, and then ask your question or make your comment. So I'll just start with a quick question for everyone out there. Uh, will green fall out of fashion? 
you know, the book talks about the movement of the of the positive movement, the progress we've made in the green movement. But will green fall out of fashion? And if so, do you have thoughts on a strategy to keep the movement and the momentum alive? Don't be shy. My name is Tom, and I'm a marketer here in New York City, a freelance marketer. Can people hear me? Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I joined the call late, but I don't think it will go out of fashion. But one idea, and I'm sure this is already being done, is for green companies within a segment of an industry to perhaps join together at the industry level and share the cost of promoting their category um, in general in terms of the benefits. And I had a question about whether either of you knew to what extent that was happening, um, to what extent, for example, a um, green cosmetics manufacturer would be promoting the benefits of um, no parabens and that sort of thing at, at the industry level, not product-specific. If there are any entities well, the, or organizations that are doing that currently. Well, I know the main company that I sort of lean on when, whenever it comes to cosmetic company, at least, that I, that I lean on is Aveda, correct? I mean, they're owned by Estee Lauder, I think it is, and, and they are uh, using all natural products and that, and that type of thing, and, and they really do push that end of it. But I don't particularly think that they push that within the green marketing world. I think they just push it to the broader world. I think that's actually much more positive. Jackie, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, um, there are many industry and trade groups that have either environmental initiatives and divisions like the Responsible Care Initiative going way back in the chemical industry. Um, right now what comes to mind is the, there's a sustainable apparel coalition that's um, headed up by uh, Nike uh, out on the West Coast. Uh, there is a Natural Personal Care Association that has put together um, a, uh, a personal care uh, like a logo, an eco label. I know I, I'm working with the United, the um, uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture on the certified bio-based, and and one of the big constituent groups there is the United Soybean Association. So whether it's manufacturers, farmers, uh, organizations that uh, promote specific kinds of materials, there are a lot of groups out there, and a lot of them, from an environmental standpoint, have some kind of uh, certification uh, system to to help green and then their, their, their industry's products and then provide a, a third-party certification for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Great. Because so, I, I personally feel like most consumers aren't aware of the dangers of parabens, and they, they think or they assume that the FDA is protecting them when, in fact, it's not, and all sorts of chemicals are approved in this country that are banned in Canada and Europe, and I, I just wonder if more companies could get together collectively at the industry level and come up with some kind of a national campaign that's on TV and radio and print about, in general, the dangers of some of the things that are in standard cosmetics or grooming products that would benefit. You may want to check out the Environmental Working Group, Tom. Yeah, I'm familiar with them. Yeah, Yeah, they're great. The issue is uh, that a lot of these groups are advocacy groups, and they don't have that they're the ones who bring these issues to the attention of people, and they really have to play leverage the media, mass media. Um, that's why you have Greenpeace, you know, with the Rainbow Coalition, the Rainbow Warriors and things, to try to get the media attention because they don't have the money to go to launch 
media camp paid media campaigns. Sure. But I'm so thinking, you know, in the in the eighties the raisin industry maybe it was the California raisin industry, I'm not sure. You know, came up with that campaign or we had the campaign about the benefits of milk, you know, with, with the Whoopi Goldberg photos. And that was right. presumably and done those, at the so industry level, even though, you know, there are hundreds of companies that make milk. Right, right, yeah. You, but I don't see it done. Like, I'm familiar with the environmental working group, but I don't, I don't see ads ever in the general media at an industry level about the benefits of green products. I've never seen one, so... Going back to the original question, and it's an excellent question of Ray's, um, you know, you, you, you got to believe that green is only going to get more important. Uh, you know, the big statistic that a lot of people use when it comes to population these days is that now we have 7 billion population on the planet, and we're expected to go to 9 billion by 2050. And you have uh, com countries like India, China, uh, Brazil, that are, are with the fastest growing populations and they're developing very, very rapidly, taking on uh, the same kind of, of uh, consumerist economies that we have. And uh, so, you know, that only portends, uh, you know, kind of grave uh, consequences for the planet. Uh, on the front page of the New York Times recently, there was an article about climate change in, in, United, in, the, in New York City, talking about threats to the subway system, you know. So, I mean, we're not talking about island nations that, you know, in all due respect, no one's heard of. We're talking about, you know, New York City and Wall Street being affected now by rising sea levels. So this is only going higher on the radar screens. Absolutely, and I think it behooves a lot of small businesses out there that are listening to the podcast and, and the live callers also to, to recognize that you have the ability through, you know, my world is, is web and mobile technology, and through good communications, especially in the green world, you can communicate to that new population. You know, most of those developing countries are, are never seeing a computer first. They're seeing mobile technology first. They're seeing information being pushed to them through SMS technology, short message service, or, or texting technology, and that if you are communicating with them and those are your audiences, you can really affect great positive change by, by putting that messaging out there and getting that information in front of them that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. I know that the American Red Cross is currently using uh, MSMS technology in Haiti in recovery from the earthquake, and uh, they're, they're trying to make impact not only in reproductive health and uh, HIV AIDS and, and, and other things, but using the technology that's available to them is is really, you know, benefiting the organization as well as doing something really well for the greater good. So to keep the momentum and keep the movement alive, I think we're all going to have to as well think about how technology is changing how we communicate and how we can leverage that as well. So anybody else with other thoughts on, on strategy to keep the movement and momentum alive? You're all unmuted, so don't be shy. Okay, well then I'm going to move on to an, another question for Jackie specifically, which is, Jackie, uh, do you need to market service-based businesses as retail products and brands do to be successful in green marketing? I know that, uh, as we discussed before the call, you know, 85%, I think, is the statistic that we generally hold are service-based businesses in at least the small business community. 
and the book itself lends a lot to product and brand-based marketing, which lends to your background and, and, uh, and, and expertise. And I was just wondering, uh, you know, what your thoughts were on, on how service-based businesses, you know, should market, should do green marketing uh, in the same way or differently. Sure. Now, that's an excellent question. Um, you know, if you think about it, uh, service-based businesses are uh, a uh, car rental company or a party planner or a dry cleaner, a photographer or a doctor or a lawyer, you still use a lot of products. And um, so the same principles apply in terms of knowing the environmental impacts of the products that you buy, looking at these things from a life cycle standpoint, and whether you're, you know, doctor, lawyer, car rental, or what have you, you still have operations. You're, you're still uh, running an office. You send out invoices. You're using paper. You have a lot of service-based businesses have vehicles. So these days, you know, if you've got a green message in your office, but you're not using a recycled paper, if you're, if you're not using um, cars that are, are more energy efficient, uh, but you're saying that you're green, then you'll you'll come across as as hypocritical. So you really need that thorough approach, whether you're a service or a, a manufacturer. That's great. That's good to know. And so, anyone else with thoughts about how they are currently? If you have a service-based business or you have uh, an audience that are service-based businesses, I know we have some small business development centers all over the United States on the call with us this morning or this afternoon now. And uh, what is what are what are your what are your recommendations to folks as it relates to marketing the service-based businesses using green marketing strategies? I know we at least have a couple of SBDCs out there, so feel free to speak up. Hi, Ray. It's Hazel out here on business. Um, I'm, I'm managing the Small Business Development Center um, out here uh, on, on the Big Island. And uh, as you would imagine, the sustainability green movement is particularly important for us. Um, more focus is really on the sustainability side in terms of the fact that we're the most isolated place on earth. Uh, mm. So when we when we are counseling our uh, our clients, um, you know we we encourage them to be very uh, thoughtful and considerate when they're not only purchasing, um, as Jackie said, just the simple products that you use in in the course of your business or your office, but even larger purchases as well. Uh, to remember that as, as an island, we're particularly sensitive about the disposal of, of these items after their uh, useful life. So um, you, you find here that there's great concern for recycling. Um, every household, for the most part, uh, makes their own uh, trips to the dump and is very conscious about separating and sorting. Um, we're presented with products that, again, are you know, less impactful on the earth. So this, it's very interesting. Having lived out here for five years, this, this, uh, the whole, the whole philosophy out here is care for the land, love for the land, and you consciously think about when you do the smallest thing, what impact is this going to have on on the land? Yeah, it's very much uh, like the seventh generation brand. I think it's sort of based on that idea of, of the uh, Native American 
concept of, of what's going to happen seven generations from now, you know, what you're doing, how it impacts forward that way. And I think that's really important, especially on a, on a small, sensitive space uh, like the islands. So that's, that's really important. Exactly. And Thank you. Oh, sorry. The culture is very, very similar to the Native American culture, so that's a great analogy. And I love Absolutely. the analogy, Hazel, because, um, you know, if you think about it, when you look at the planet from space, we're kind of an island in the universe, too. So if we mm. could just inculcate in kids that the planet is limited, as an island is limited, and we should treat the planet as if we were living on a, a desert island. Uh, I, I bet you we have a lot of different, you know, attitudes and behaviors as a result. Oh, I would imagine so, very much so. Anyone else with thoughts? I know uh, small business development centers, this is Jackie, uh, give a lot of meetings. Are any of you... Uh, conscious about running greener kinds of meetings, the amount of paper that you put out, or whether you're uh, using disposables or composting food afterwards, for instance. Any of you conscious about running green meetings at the small business development centers? Uh, this, is, this is Hazel again. Um, we're the, kind of the beta test site on our, on, in our state, in our network, we're really small. We only have six development centers across the uh, across the main, major islands here. But uh, we have made a move several years ago to run our office uh, uh, paperless. So we, um, instead of having very large client files, uh, we have everything stored electronically in our client tracking system. Um, and and we have started across the Hawaii Islands. Uh, just this year in limiting um, the travel that we're doing uh, as, a, as a network, but still trying to stay as connected as we can. So we are making uh, use of tools like WebEx. I've actually started to use Skype about a month ago to do consulting with clients on this island who are quite a distance away rather than asking them to come in. I mean, regular gas is almost five dollars a gallon here on the island so it, it's a big concern and, and it's something else that people think about when they're making decisions in, uh, in the course of their business life and how they're structuring themselves. Hazel, I'm curious how that's going for you. Are you finding any hidden benefits in all of that? Um, I find the, the Skype session to be even better <laughs> Face-to-face um, -face is always best, but, but the quality of the, of the um, network that we have out here is such that the session maybe gets interrupted over an hour only once. Uh, some, sometimes our, our signals and things out here are a bit unpredictable, but what I am finding is the clients are more comfortable because they are at their computer in their office with the data and information that we would normally talk about during a counseling session easily at hand. So we, we find that to be uh, a benefit. And uh, the other networks or the other offices are going to start trying that. But from the WebEx perspective, um, we, we feel that it gives us the ability to connect far more often than we were able to connect in person. Um, so we, we can actually remain connected, be more effective, exchange ideas 
um, you just feel, you don't feel like you're so isolated. Before we would get together on a quarterly basis in person in Honolulu, um, but this WebEx has allowed us to, to basically partner and work together at any time, which I think is a real benefit for the network. Isn't that terrific? I know the person who is a former uh, Director of Environmental Affairs at WebEx, and um, that was his job, was to underscore the environmental benefits of that WebEx technology. You, you should be uh, one of their presenters, Hazel. That's great news. You know, it's, it's a lot easier these days to run a green service-based business. In fact, um, a lot of times you don't realize you're, you're greener than you used to be. In the Clinton administration, Clinton passed a couple of executive orders that required the federal government to uh, only buy 30% recycled paper or only to buy um, Energy uh, Star rated uh, first uh, printers and um, and then uh, lap computers and things. So as a result, since the federal government is the largest purchaser of, of any kind of office equipment in the world, um, the office supply industry has gone green with Staples and Office Depot and Office, office Max kind of falling all over each other trying to uh, herald the greenness of their products. So a lot of times you're buying paper and uh, equipment and things that are, are, are greener without even really knowing it. And so it's uh, 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 you know just kind of a nice benefit that started with the federal government. Just a personal plug, Hazel, please say hi to Kathy Woltsey. I know that she's now your state director in the lead office out there in Hawaii. So I used to work with her at the Virginia SPDC. So uh, please please send my best to Kathy. Oh, we, are, we absolutely love her, Ray. <laughs> she, she was a great catch. I, I'm, I was sad to see her go, but I'm, I'm so happy that she could be out there. I keep telling her she needs to hire me to come out there so I could I'll, – I'll do the work for free. I'll just, just pay for the travel. <laughs> You're welcome to come. <laughs> um, I, I know that there was someone uh, from uh, Natural Awakening, Southwest Virginia, uh, on the call that had a question, and you couldn't raise your hand before. Would, would you like to announce Hi, yourself Ray. and ask your question? Yes, I absolutely would. Hi, everyone. This is Tracy Garland. I'm with Natural Awakenings Magazine, Southwest Virginia. I just purchased um, the franchise. We've, um, the magazine's been published for... Uh, four years here and 20 years nationwide, and um, you know our you know, our motto is healthy people on a healthy planet. So our advertisers are primarily small, regional, local-based businesses. Some of them are selling green products. Some of them are just promoting the products and services within their normal range of products and services that are greener. And in helping them design their advertising strategy with our magazine, we're kind of often by default helping them define their overall strategy. A lot of these companies, and especially when you start talking with farmers, they can't afford a, um, an expensive certification or something like you know, a green certification from a national level or anything like that. So my question is, how can we? What are some low-cost ways that we can help these businesses underscore their credibility? That's a very good question. Sure, go for it, Kathy. Uh, Jackie. Yeah. Um, the the this, this, the the local food movement right now is, as as many of you know, really really hot. And the green markets, the number of green markets around the country, have um, uh, just just uh, 
really grown very quickly and even doubled in the last five years, I believe. So I would think that if they could underscore the local aspects of their products, that would um, uh, give them a, a leg up. Um, if they can't afford a certification, um, it's a tough one. You know, those, as I said before, if you have a green CEO, that will almost do more for you than a, you know, kind of a paid third-party certification. So if there's ways that they can, you know, underscore kind of the family approach, the personal approach, um, that could help as well. Okay, thank you so much. And Jackie, I just have to say I am just so honored to be talking with you today. I have I graduated in 1994 um, with um, in in business and uh, environmental science, and you've really been my one of my heroes all of these years and staying with. Well, aren't you? Nice. Thank you very much, Tracy. I'd love to hear that. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Good luck with the magazine. I know it's a fine magazine. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, another thing that I've noticed, Tracy, with regard to magazine, uh, the, 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 that industry is, of course, you know, uh, use of social media today and social engagement, I think, provides legitimacy when I think going back to, to Jackie's sort of second tenant for the book, which is transparency. I think that if more and more of these uh, rural and sort of just not necessarily rural but suburban uh, markets are capable of communicating to their target audience that they are going green, that they're doing things that are that are uh, are green, and, and even to the greater effect, which is to say which parts are not green, and to engage their audience in terms of how they can do that. You know, I think that a lot of uh, of of the answers to the green movement come from the consumers themselves, which again lends to Jackie's sort of third point, which is educating consumers about how to you know, sort of uh, get themselves in the consumption stage to reverse the damage that's being done, the environmental impact that's being done. So if, if they can actually reach out to them, tell them that they are in need of assistance, in need of help to, to innovate, to eco-innovate, uh, to use Jackie's term, then, to, then, you, then you get this great conversation that's going on, which only exposes them to more people and to more uh, uh, you know, a stronger relationship, more brand loyalty, and I think that can be really powerful. So if you're if you're reaching out to these other businesses who are trying to market through your magazine, through advertising, and otherwise, I think the other reverse side to that is for them to be going out and engaging their community for not only what they're doing, but where their weaknesses are, showing that that vulnerability just on that on that slight level, so that they can get some of the answers given to them by their own audience, and, and they can incentivize their audience to do that through contests and otherwise, or they can uh, reward them through discounts and, and so forth as well. But I think generally the community, I know I do, you know, if I, if I heard from my local community that they needed assistance in knowing how to do X better, I would certainly give my voice and give my attention to that because I happen to fit into a particular market that would want to help, but I think they're in every community. I have to. I totally have to agree with that, Ray. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I, think, I, think I think in the past when you've had more, now that it's become more mainstream, more businesses are ready to talk about their environmental performance, and they're 
their lack of it. I think in way back when in the past, a lot of businesses were just really afraid to stick their neck out because they would kind of be attacked by the more fringe and radical element um, of the environmental movement, and it never seemed like anything was good enough. But now that it's become more mainstream, um, more businesses are getting into that conversation and, and talking about what their strengths and their weaknesses are. So, um, and, I, and I think things like the Green Living Expos are great places for consumers to have that face-to-face contact with uh, these products and service vendors. Absolutely, and I and I know you're I know you're close to uh, you're in Virginia, and so I, I hope that you can make yourself make your way up to the Green, Green Festival. I know that we talked about that before, uh, but I, I hope you can make it up to the Green Festival this this coming weekend. And because uh, I just think it's so it's so amazing to to see the exhibitors and to talk to them all and to see what they're doing. And uh, and and to your point about you know it once being fringe and moving more closer to uh, mainstream movement, I think it really has has done that now, is that, you know, people, uh, businesses in general, all of you businesses that are out there need to do SWOT analysis, which are strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analyses. And that assessment will give you an understanding of where you are weak, not just on one value, which is green, but all of the various value systems that you're selling on. You know, so if you're selling on being uh, good to uh, your employees and the environment, you know that is uh, a fair trade or whatever it might be to the uh, to to being environmentally friendly, uh, to having you know some other type of core core value or mission. Uh, opening yourselves up to understanding your strengths and weaknesses, opportunities and threats can really be the the thing that saves your business, the thing that differentiates you in the market. So I think that's very important. Well, absolutely, and so, what you're talking about, your strategy of, of discussing that is you're taking what is could be a threat, in other words, consumers' misperception of, you know, potentially underlying green issue, and you're turning it into an opportunity to engage the consumer in discussion of how you could go greener. Absolutely, absolutely. So anyone else with thoughts? Go ahead. Is that Jackie? Yeah, I just wanted to make the to draw the connection between the two points we raised to uh, uh, answer Tracy's question, and that is that the local aspects of their business really reinforce the transparency. I know that Lay's um, has a campaign. I'm not sure if they're still running it or not. I bet you it's still online though, which is um, that 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 tries to underscore the fact that all the potatoes they source come from about 40 farmers. And you can actually take the um, uh, like the serial number or a little code on your bag of potato chips and trace it back to the family farm. So there are you know many opportunities to help these very large faceless manufacturers try to warm up their message and underscore the environmental and health benefits by talking about the the special sourcing, and that ultimately goes back to uh, individual farmers. That's a fantastic example, Jackie. I, I like that. And I'm going to go look on the back of the back of those chips. <laughs> Find out who made those, who grew those potatoes. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to sort of flip the conversation uh, to, to move on and just ask Jackie just one more question, uh, which, is, which is on the broadest level, uh, what advice do you have for those who are marketing green 
B2B versus B2C. I know that on the call, just scanning the, the list of our callers live today, and I'm, I'm sure that folks listening to the podcast will have the same question, is the difference between business-to-business marketing versus business-to-consumer marketing. In Tracy's case, she's B2B uh, for the most part uh, with her advertising, but you know, I'm, and she's reaching out to consumers through the magazine, so she sort of has to have a dual, dual market there. But you know, how, how do you, uh, what advice do you have for, for those marketing in, in B2B versus B2C? Sure, that's a great question, Ray. Um, there's a lot of similarities, and then there's some divergences too. So, you know, I talked in my summary of the book about the need to underscore primary benefits. So consumers will respond to the status of driving a Prius car or being seen with the bag in the Whole Foods um, and they'll also respond to health benefits and uh, 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 cost savings and things. So it's a similar strategy where you need to underscore the benefits to other businesses of your products. And then the benefits kind of narrow because business is in business to, uh, to make money. So you want to focus on those benefits that are most relevant to other businesses like cost savings and how it can help either um, uh, generate more bottom line profits or potentially even, uh, though this isn't cost savings, uh, you know, innovation strategies can help uh, grow top line as well. But then also um, reputation is, is really critical and so many businesses are really doing green as a way of preserving, protecting their reputation and um, uh, using it to, to uh, 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 foster their reputation. So if you can bring in cost savings, profitability, efficiencies, reputation, uh, those are benefits that business, other businesses respond to. Thanks, Jackie. And so that leads me sort of into the next question for everyone, which is that you, know, you talked about credibility and all those things. And I think you know we we as as businesses or brands need to filter out the other brands who are greenwashing this this idea of falsely marketing yourself as green when you aren't, and then to shine above them with genuine greening values. And I'm I'm curious about how some of you who are on the line deal with that fact that there are lots of businesses out there who are marketing themselves green, you know, just making their product packaging green or just saying that they're going green and they're really not, and how you're actually differentiating yourself, how you're how you're creating a competitive edge to to deal with that reality. Uh, so so this reference is sort of page one thirty four of of the new real, new rules of green marketing where Jackie talks about there are five strategies for establishing credibility for sustainable branding and marketing, and really the idea of uh, you know establishing that credibility and avoiding greenwashing. So, anyone with thoughts on on how you're dealing with that? I just Hello? want to come in here for a second, Ray, and say that yeah, sure. if anyone on the call feels that their competitors are making false and misleading claims and creating an unfair advantage in the marketplace, um, they should report those claims to a source that a lot of people don't know about, which is the NAD, the National Advertising Division of the Better Business Bureau. 
they are on the case as a um, independent trade group that is uh, in place to monitor advertising and keep advertising, uh, you know, kind of clean. So there's a, a, a David Mallon is a, a lawyer there who is particular is specifically handling environmental claims. So I would recommend anyone who feels that their competitors are making false claims to the National Advertising Division of the Better Business Bureau, and they will. There's no charge. Uh, they will. They will go after and monitor those claims and adjudicate them without the expense of taking somebody to court. That's wonderful, and I'll make sure to add that and your prior link to the notes for the podcast. So that, that's really wonderful to know that you have at least someone to go to without having to have the expense, as a small business especially, you know, to, to, to bring that, that type of information to the public. Right. And not all greenwashing, I must say, is intentional. Um, a lot of greenwashing is unintentional because there is just so much literally ignorance about what constitutes an environment a true environmental benefit in, in products and manufacturing so that um, you know it's not always kind of malicious and evil and so if you uh, have a, a, a so it's easy in other words to uh, to um, to make claims that could come across as greenwashing so if you report somebody to the NAD then they can handle it in a very professional kind of low-key way and, uh, you know, make sure that the situation's cleared up. That's great. That's great. So other folks, uh, how are you dealing with greenwashing? How are you, how are you currently uh, managing keeping yourself from greenwashing? Perhaps do you have strategies for figuring out how to not greenwash yourself, you know, which is to check your values and also check your quality assurance with your communications? Yeah, I have the five strategies in the book, which are walk your talk, be transparent, don't mislead, enlist the support of third parties, and promote responsible consumption, as I explained. I'm curious, uh, just to add to the question, is, is anyone using third-party certification, and how are you doing with it? I know that I'm not using any third-party uh, certifications uh, as of yet. Uh, but I but I do know that we are always looking for new ways in which to lower our footprint, you know, whether that's by reducing the number of offices, uh, you know, so that we don't have as much, uh, you know, sort of waste in terms of real estate waste, and as well looking at new services that can reduce our paper use or our our, our server use since we are, you know, connected to the web all the time. We're using power in, in, in great numbers, and we want to be able to reduce the amount of, of energy uh, use there. And so we, we are always looking for, for that. And, and we've pretty much written off, and I'd be curious, Jackie, to hear your thoughts on, on sort of this idea of, of purchasing uh, offset carbon offset credits. At one point, we were doing that quite regularly, and we've sort of fallen away from doing that. Uh, do you have any recommendations for companies that might want to or, or, or questioning the use of carbon offset credits? Sure. Carbon offset credits um, are a very useful tool for, as they suggest, offsetting your carbon. Um, unfortunately, there is some greenwashing going on and that the projects that people are um, 
uh, presumably contributing to, whether it's tree planting or uh, energy efficiency projects or what have you, sometimes are not actually being conducted. So the first thing you want to do is work with a reputable firm. Native Energy comes to mind in that uh, respect. Um, and then also, um, carbon offsets are great, but you really want to uh, start high, higher up in the hierarchy and try to make your operations as efficient as you can, and then what energy you still um, use uh, to try to make that as renewable as possible. And then after you've done those steps, uh, work in uh, 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 investing in carbon offsets. Uh, the, the, the issue that I have with carbon offsets is it's, it's too easy to use them to justify uh, travel or whatever might be the use of energy um, rather than uh, really trying to do the hard stuff like they seem to be doing in Hazel's office in Hawaii uh, that mm -hmm. can lead to real innovation as well rather than just kind of throwing money at a, at a problem and continuing to do whatever it is that's unenvironmental that you're trying to offset. Right, absolutely. And I mean, I travel quite regularly to locations all over the country doing presentations and workshop trainings and so on and so forth. And it's very difficult for for me. Uh, I think there's an internal conflict for me because I know that I'm, I think I'm much more effective in person than I am via a web interface. But I think that it's it's becoming much the better the technology is getting so much better that I I can genuinely feel like I'm connecting with people even through uh, a, a WebEx technology or or go to webinar or go to meeting or Skype even and you know the idea of just interfacing with folks I just did a a a, a study meeting uh, for a programming language that I'm learning. Uh, and we did it through Google Plus Hangouts, and you can have yourself plus nine other people in this virtual environment, basically audio and video, live in real time. You can share documents, you can share screens, and you can make this rich learning environment, rich collaboration environment using the technology that's out there. And so, you know, that can reduce all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, imprint and, and impact, uh, you know, things just from just from using that technology, which is really cool. Absolutely, and there's a you know a lot of benefits for small businesses from what's called hoteling, where they um, no longer feel compelled to have office space and cubby space for every employee. That uh, because of the nature of technology these days, they can have much smaller offices and then just allow people to you know bring their laptop and and uh, use an available desk. Yeah, this is the, the, the co-working environments as well. I think the idea of the co-working environment, if anyone doesn't know about what co-working is, it's uh, go to coworking.info, coworking.info, and it will show you all of these places that you can go to, and instead of renting an office or otherwise, you, you basically go and work in communal settings. And I know that doesn't work for every business. I, I think that, you know, potentially lawyers and doctors and so on and so forth will still need office space, but for but for a lot of entrepreneurs who are solopreneurs, who want to be able to interact with other people and re reduce their their carbon footprint, you know, in, in lots of ways, or their sister environmental impact in a lot of ways. You can go out there and go co-work with folks and reduce cost and reduce environmental impact at the same time. So I think I, you know, hoteling and co-working is are, are definitely two avenues for being able to do that. So any final thoughts from anyone on the call? 
final words from you, Jackie, or anybody else about uh, green marketing. We're nearing the end of time, so if you have a question or if you have anything that you'd like to add, feel free to let me know. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to wrap up in the next minute or so, and we can we can move on. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to just ask Jackie one more question, and then we'll we'll close up. Which for Jackie, uh, how how do you feel businesses can engage their consumers in meaningful dialogue? And this is obviously this is a quote, you know, from from the final part of your book around environmental and social impact, sort of engaging your cons uh, you know, consumers in a meaningful dialogue, what, what's, the, what's the number one thing, the most important thing you think businesses should do in opening that meaningful dialogue? Sure, that's a great question. I would go back to the, to the transparency idea. Um, you know, the whole environmental movement is happening now, um, and, and, and from a consumer standpoint, because of trust. Consumers want to trust the factory down the street. They want to trust that the products that they buy are, are safe, that there's not going to, um, you know, be, be part of child labor or, or disposal problems down the road, you know, throughout the entire life cycle. So, so it's a really a trust issue. So transparency is the thing that will engage consumers the most. You know, let consumers know what you're doing um, to foster environmental and social um, issues. Um, uh, tell them what th that they themselves can do. Try to empower them in what they can do. We worked with uh, HSBC on a campaign where we made the link between the carbon management program that the, uh, that the bank had done uh, all around the world with what consumers can do to, to reduce their own carbon footprint. And by engaging them and showing them different ways that they could reduce their footprint in the same way the bank did, um, really got them involved. And because we were showing them what the bank had done and not asking them to do anything that bank hadn't already done themselves, it um, uh, uh, underscored a lot of credibility from the bank. So I would say be transparent, tell them the good, the bad, get to that Patagonia microsite called the Footprint Chronicles for a great example of how that's done and try to empower them to do some of these things on their own. Well, that's a great suggestion, Jackie, and, and I want to thank everybody for being on the call today and uh, engaging in the conversation. We had a great turnout, and so for all, everyone who's live listening on the call, I really thank everyone for, for coming out, out today. Uh, if you're interested in buying the book, The New Rules of Green Marketing by Jacqueline Ottman, please visit w, just a single w, w, the number 3cinc.com forward slash nr, as in new rules, green marketing. Again, that's w.w3cinc.com forward slash nr, green marketing. The publisher, Barrett Kohler Publishers, is graciously providing a generous 35% discount off the cover price by following that link. So thank you to you, Jackie, for getting us that discount, and thanks to Barrett Kohler Publishers. Again, I'd like to thank you, Jackie, for being here on the live call with us discussing the new rules of green marketing. My pleasure, Ray. Thanks for having me today. Thanks, everybody, for attending. Okay, folks, that wraps so up our first uh, that wraps up our first Better Business Books roundtable. Stay tuned as I'll be emailing announcements of next month's book along with the date and time. I'll also be posting a book summary and review blog post about a week before the call for the next book. And the recordings of these 
uh, will be, of course, podcasted and available at betterbusinessbooksroundtable.blogspot.com. Again, that's betterbusinessbooksroundtable.blogspot.com. This is Ray Sidney Smith from W3 Consulting, and take care. Aloha.